Hi, this is Sandy Johnson from Halloween, and you're listening to Horror Homeschool. Welcome back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. And today we are continuing the year of the one, covering all of James Wan's horror movies. This episode we're talking about the first Insidious prequel, confusingly titled Insidious Chapter 3. <laughs> yeah, and Insidious Chapter 3 was um, released on June 15th, which is two days before my birthday, in 2015, two years after Um Insidious Chapter 2. So this one is produced by James Wan, uh, but that is all the attachment he has to this one. This is written and directed by Lee Winnell. So no James Wan this time, and it shows as well, I think. I think uh, too. We yeah, Kevin our... was like, I don't understand how you're doing this movie. It's not even made by James Wan. I was like, yeah, but it's in the same universe, so we have to kind of... Mm-hmm. And it's, know, produced, we... it's produced by him, so yeah. it is a... His name's attached. <laughs> yeah um and he is actually in the movie did you spot him of course i did as the director in the movie yep. theater uh, which not movie theater just a theater isn't it yeah and but... she's doing an audition but i thought that was really clever how he had his little cameo <laughs> um i was like there he is kind of like a stanley mm-hmm. i love it <laughs> uh but yeah we need our boy at the helm directing sorry lee but you know just stick to writing um directing ain't really a calling i don't think um to be fair though the writing in this like has improved i thought maybe i'm wrong there i don't know um Mm. but i don't know he he does a pretty good job for a first time director i think but still it's not up to insidious scratch is it really no um the cool thing is, though, they both actually met each other at film school uh, where they were both studying to become directors. So That's dope. He did want to do it. Um, he actually did go on to direct um, the new Invisible Man movie, mm-hmm. um, yep. which I wasn't a fan of personally. Me but, neither. Um, he doesn't seem to have done much in the way of directing other than this and that. Um, yeah, Invisible Man, I was so excited for I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it was one of the first 4K movies we bought. And oh. um, so we watched it and we were like, oh, well, this was a waste of money. Yeah, I don't get why that's so, like, it's rated highly, that movie. And I'm like, I don't get it. I know, it. it's, it's not, just not good. Not good. <laughs> the only good thing about that movie was Elizabeth Moss's acting because she's fantastic. Yeah. I, I I'm not her. really I'm not really a fan of her personally. Like uh, you should watch Handmaid's Tale. She's like mm, I don't like stuff like that. Like period. Oh no, stuff. you would you <laughs> it's not period stuff. Isn't it? No. It's a <clears throat> it's a modern day it's a modern day show. Like it's set in right now, but it's oh. the premise of the movie or the show is or it's based off a book. Um basically America decided to take all the women and force them um, to basically be concubines to these like popular guys um, to make more children. And if you can't make children, then you are sent to like um, camps to die, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that sounds and, pretty fucking. Yeah, it's it's very like um, pretty much what's going on right now. It's kind of scary, but like basically, women are just told to shut up and make babies so quite close to reality then <laughs> yes that's why i'm saying it's not a period piece it's like literally yeah. a now piece is it almost like a dystopian kind of thingy it is yes it is 100 yeah. percent dystopian because like 
it's only in America on the show. Everywhere else is still the same. So, like, mm. Canada is trying to help, like, the women and stuff like that. And so everybody's, like, trying to cross the border over to Canada. And Canada's, like, their safe haven and refugee area. So, anyways, mm. I don't know where we got yeah. on that. But... <laughs> Well, that's interesting though because I, you know, I just saw like the poster and I was like, oh, it just looks like an old timey thing. That's not yeah, my bag, nope. but nope. you've illuminated it for me. Um, so yeah, synopsis for Insidious Chapter Three: Gifted psychic Elise Rayner reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who has been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. Um, so the trivia for this movie, uh, the first one I've already mentioned, so uh, around 16 minutes, uh, James Wan, who was unavailable to return as the director, uh, makes a brief cameo in the theatre during Quinn's audition scene. So the reason why he couldn't uh, return to direct this was because he was um, he was directing Fast and the Furious 7. <laughs> Oh, I didn't um, even know he made that one or he directed that one. Uh, actually, I don't know if he was directing it. Maybe he was just working on it in some capacity, but that's what he was doing at that point. Fast I have never Furious seen seven. a single Fast and Furious movie. I've seen a few, I think. I don't know why I've watched them. Probably just out of curiosity, but they're not they're not my bag. Actually, you know who is a, a, a Fast and Furious fan who you wouldn't expect? Field Mouse? That's um, cute. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of driving cars, that ties into the next bit of trivia. So they use Bruce Willis's stunt double as the driver in the car accident scene. Uh, That's quite interesting. That's um, pretty oh, good stunt, Bruce actually. Willis. Oh, let's not. I mean, that is oh, so tragic. Yeah, I know. Oh, so my sad. God. It's so fucking sad. I love him. I know. Um, I don't even want to... Okay. But, yeah, so that, that stunt, I actually quite like that stunt. I watched the behind the scenes and how they did it, and it was pretty clever. They used a dummy for the impact and everything, and then switched between the real actor, her on the floor, and, you know, all that. Um, and I thought it looked pretty good. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, just that moment. It's a good jump scare as well, that, like, where she's, like, just gets distracted because she sees that fucking thing waving at her and she's like oh what and before you know it just bam she just gets i know kevin and i were like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so well i suppose we'll get into it but i was gonna ask if kevin had already seen it you've both not seen it right Mm -mm. um so the next bit of trivia um a trailer for the film was released in march of 2015 and it featured the song afraid of nothing by sharon van etten um, and the filmmakers use the song without acquiring the rights to it. Mm, and rude. the artist was notified by a fan on Twitter, the filmmakers were forced to pay her for illegally using her music. Good. <laughs> Which is fucked. That is um, fucked. I mean, we, I guess we've illegally used a little Creed snippet on this podcast before, but... <laughs> Yeah, We're but not I don't... making any money from that. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that, like, there's a certain amount of time that you... Can yeah, play a song without. Get, um, mm-hmm, I think it's thirty seconds or under. You're legally allowed to use music on something, um, but yeah, that's that's crazy, isn't it? Considering like mm-hmm. the type of like status of this movie, you'd think that they'd get permission from a, an artist to use music. But there we go. Um, so as we've already mentioned, this film takes place um, as a prequel to chapters one and two. It actually takes place three years before. Um, chapters one and two um, so technically it should be called insidious prologue in my opinion like, yeah because <laughs> you know a, a chapter follows the story like that's how chapters work right um, I think so I mean <laughs> yeah. as, as far as I know because <laughs> I mean that wouldn't have made as much money I guess if it was called uh, insidious prologue um, but I hate the title of this film like it just irks me it's called chapter three um it was originally titled into the further which i much prefer i think they mm-hmm. should have kept it as that mm-hmm. um but you know I, I just think this is just a cheap trick isn't it it's false advertising in my opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course it's all about money making and you know a succession in the the chapters um made more money i guess um so 
writer-director Lee Winnell uh, told casting that he wanted the man who can't breathe, you know, that demon with the face mask on, um, to look like um, the sloth victim in Seven. Have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I do. Thought. That actually, yeah. So he was like, I want the, I want the to look like this, this character. Have you ever this seen that movie? Um, I don't think I have. Dude. Yeah. I need watch to it. It's so good. Um, and in explaining that he wanted the demon to look like this actor, this character, they ended up actually casting the same actor. Nice. So Michael Reed McKay uh, was cast for that role of the man who can't breathe. Um, and he was interviewed on the uh, the Blu-ray extras for this movie. And he's really cute, actually. He was saying that he gets scared of the insidious movies and he jumps at the jump scares. Aw, that's adorable. <laughs> even his own that. ones in Insidious 3, he was jumping at. <laughs> well, yeah, he looked freaking gross. <laughs> yeah, he said he loves loves the insidious movies and jump scares. Um, Elise's dog was called Warren. Did you notice that little Easter egg? Yes. Uh, puppies named after the real life paranormal investigators ed warren and lorraine warren who of course appear in james bond's conjuring movies um specs was wearing a casper jacket in this i know i loved it i was like dude that casper jacket's balling (laughs) so dope isn't it like it looks like a vintage one as well like you could tell that like that's probably something from lee winnell's like personal collection because he's a big nerd isn't he i love it um and coincidentally i was wearing my casper t-shirt when i was watching it and i was like oh Oh, that's pretty neat (laughs) i have casper socks awesome um so the book that Quinn is reading during the knocking scene is A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. Um, yeah, I noticed that. Which I've not oh, read. Shit, sorry. But I do like the movie. Um, I know... Uh, I've never Kyle, seen the movie. Kyle's a big fan of that as well. He always quotes it to me. You need to check out that movie. That's like a very iconic film you got to see. It's terrifying. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough watch, but it's really good. Um, next bit of trivia. So uh, the scene where the half of Quinn with no face is mm. like crawling towards her was actually shot in reverse. So she crawled backwards and it was played the other way around as if she was crawling forwards to create an illusion of unnatural movement. Yuck. Which definitely worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the uh, Blu-ray extra interviews for this movie, uh, Lee Winnell was asked what scares him, and he said that real life scares him. He said paying bills, doing things on time, that's what scares him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that, buddy. Mm-hmm. So this movie had a huge budget of $10 million compared to the $1.5 million of the first one, and it made just under $113 million at the box office worldwide. So it did pretty well, but not as big as a return as I think they wanted. Um, I've got one goof here before we go into talking about the movie. So the scene where Quinn broke the cast off both of her legs and stepped on them, causing like severe damage to her legs. Um, when she wakes up uh, from a trance, she shows like no sign of like pain or that even happened. Like she would have been like, "How fuck? Like my legs really?" Hurt. Yeah, but there was nothing, no mention of that. Uh, right, so let's get into our relationship with this movie and initial thoughts. So you go first. This is your first time watching this, right? Yeah, uh, I did not like it. It was very just. Mm. I don't know. Kevin and I were just like, okay, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> hmm. I, I mean, yeah. there's some there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about it. But overall, I just wasn't a super fan. Yeah. And you thought this was the one you'd seen initially. but Yeah, this like is one I thought. Yeah, but no. It sounds mm-hmm. like you'd, you'd watched one and two, but backwards. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me... Uh, after watching Insidious 1 and 2 back-to-back for the first time three years ago, Abby and I were riding such a high, uh, we set about watching this one the very next day. It was also on Netflix, so we were like, right, let's do it. Chapter 3, expecting it to carry on where 2 left off. Um, and we were disappointed. Um, 
because the last one ended with like such a good cliffhanger i thought like and i, I thought know yeah picking up where it left off like especially with it being a called like you know chapter three um but yeah i thought that would be a good idea to carry on like the, the paranormal investigators but with like having like a little ghost medium helper mm-hmm. i thought that would have been a cool thing to do but lee winnell actually mentioned that um he wanted to delve into um elisa's past that's what he wanted to do he was interested in exploring her origin like what made you know what wh- where she came from how she ended up working with specs and tucker and stuff like that so i guess you know as his that's his prerogative as a writer is he gets to do what he wants to do and if he thinks that there's more of a story to tell there um yeah that's that's up to him but personally i i did i wasn't really a fan of the direction that it went in um and yeah abby and i were both left disappointed and deflated mm-hmm. after watching it uh it is weird though because like it is similar to like how the chapter two ends with like a, a girl that's disabled and stuff and it's like it's a weird similarity um but yeah I, I didn't watch it again after after that this is the first rewatch i've done and i still don't like it i mean it's got a couple of creepy moments and decent scares but it doesn't really do anything new for me um and i don't think it holds any sort of relevance in the franchise although it does try to tie things into it um i don't think it brings anything new to the table in f- the form of like a, a movie a horror movie um it's not too enjoyable um and it also doesn't really feel like an insidious movie to me no not at all um, felt very teeny boppy yeah it, it had a different vibe completely um but before we go into negatives, let's talk about <laughs> some of the good things about it then. Uh, top of the list for me is the score is amazing again. Yeah, the score was good. Yeah, Joseph Bisher returns to compose and it's faultless. It's scary and it does a really good job of setting the atmosphere and the mood. Uh, sound design's really good as well. Um, so I really liked all that and they, it tailored to the jump scares really well. There were some pretty good jump scares in this, though, I will say. Yeah, um, It's nowhere, was. Near as, nowhere near as scary as the first two, but it does have some good scares in it. Um, we mentioned earlier, like, the, the car hitting her. That's a good jump mm-hmm. scare. Um, <laughs> at that moment, Abby turned to me, and she was like, I'd love to get hit by a car. <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, I just have, like, no excuses to do absolutely fuck all. Like... <laughs> She just loves sitting around doing nothing. So she just comes out with things like this all the time. I guess you're going to have to get a really good job and just let her be a stay-at-home <sighs> dog mom. Yeah, that's exactly what she wants, but I told her it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, to credit to her, though, she's been helping me doing the gardening recently. So she is, she is a good egg, really. She just jokes about being lazy. Um, but yeah. Sleep and, and, and comfort best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... See, I, I wouldn't really like to break my legs. I mean, my friend actually broke both of his legs um, the other year. He fell over the top of his handlebars of the bike and really fucked himself up. Um, yeah, and, and that was miserable. Like, seeing him have to go through that, like, he literally could not do anything for himself. Yeah, like, I would, I even would in, that. Even in the movie, you know, there's a joke about what do you what do you do when you need the toilet? You know, she rings a bell and obviously someone's got to come and help you do all that. And it's like that would be mortifying. Horrible. You know, we're not trying to downplay people that are disabled <laughs> at all because that is fucked up. Um, that must be pretty miserable to have to go through all that. But now I like my I like my independence, I like being able to, like, get up and do whatever I want. I do like sitting around doing fuck all because that's great isn't it you know but i like a balance of being able to you know be a couch potato and get up and do stuff so yeah i wouldn't like to break my legs (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i would like to break my legs either (laughs) plus the pain's got to be really bad like you've got to think about that too that's got to be not nice um other good things about this is a good scare with um the black footprints um, mm. the re the reading room scene that's really good mm-hmm. like when Elise is like following those black footprints and 
then they stop at the wall and then she like slowly follows them up and they go up the wall and he's like hanging from the ceiling like a fucking bat and it's so scary <laughs> um another good scare i've got down here is the skype scene um oh yeah that one's creepy yeah like when she's in the bedroom talking to a friend on skype and um another chilling line to hear would be who's that standing right beside you like <laughs> it's just so scary to hear like who's that next to you and there's like you're like there's no one there Mm-mm. and then as they're discussing that then the, the screen like freezes and it's like fuck <laughs> and then um she sees someone like behind the curtain and then they just drop out of sight and that's creepy enough mm-hmm. and then she goes she peers under the bed and then bam the hand grabs her from above that was just scary classic misdirection and then totally she gets fr- just terrible. she gets thrown onto the floor and then you're like well she's completely defenseless because she can't move because she's with broken legs and then you just see the legs like walking around her like closing the door closing the laptop and the room dude that just, scene like, is probably one of the better scenes of the whole movie yeah that's that's my favorite scene i think because it's just so scary because you're just like can you imagine like being so defenseless and not being able to move and having all that fucking terrifying shit going on. <laughs> so scary. Um, <clears throat> another scary scene is when um, Elise goes into the further and she sees all that fucked up shit in there. Like the, she's got the, uh, the Voldemort lady with the face on the back of her head. <laughs> she pulls apart the hair. I mean, it doesn't look a bit goofy. But um, I also thought um, maybe James Wan got some inspiration for Malignant there. Mm-hmm. No, no spoiler. That's what I was well, thinking, Kind yeah. of a spoiler, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, got a note here as well about the bride, in, the bride in Black returning. What? How did you feel about this? It didn't really explain anything. It just sets it up for, you know, future... Her future death, I guess. Mm. It's it's a weird one because it is like oh it's trying to tie it all together and it's showing mm-hmm. like premonition almost of how she gets killed because yeah. even in the same house same chair and everything wasn't it mm-hmm. but it kind of feels a bit messy because it's like well surely she would have mentioned something like that in the first Insidious that's like, what I thought too yeah like I understand the timeline like but I don't know like I feel like she would have brought it up at some point or i don't know i also don't like the idea of like her being like a target of the bride in black like i think i much prefer her being killed by the bride in black at the end of the first one kind of like a just it just happened you know because he was like he'd been exposed and then he was just like he choked her just to kill her just to get her out of the picture rather than like because that's what it seemed like it just seemed like something that happened rather than I've been trying to choke you for fucking years, you know, like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a bit of a weird one, like to sort of be like, oh no, this this is a thing that's been going on for ages. The the bride in black's been haunting Elise, and she brought she brought them back. Yeah, it was the upside really... down from the further. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I don't know, and plus, like, yeah, she she was the one that helped Josh when he was younger. I mean. Was yeah it, didn't they know surely that... she would have well yeah I don't i'm trying know. to think now because apparently she brought the bride in black back um when she tried to contact her dead husband by going into the further um... that's when it happened so the bride in black's not been with her the whole time but didn't she see the bride in black in the first insidious that's... when uh, no sorry second insidious that's what <laughs> i thought too she did like right um yeah i'm sure she saw the bride in black in the house when josh was a little boy so yeah it gets a bit gets a bit muddy really um and then they try and tie it back by bringing in that guy to show the pictures and she's like i'm sure i've seen this before and shows the pictures with her in again carl carl we didn't actually mention carl in the last episode i think that's because he's pretty bland character and (laughs) <laughs> I was yeah. like, man, that would suck so bad to have some sort of like cool power, but then you have to use dice or not dice, um, 
the whatever the words are on the little what yeah. are they called? I guess word dice. I don't word know. dice. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that's the title I've given them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess like he wasn't too like memorable, and certainly wasn't in this movie. They just sort of brought him in to be like, hey, look, it's 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 insidious. We're trying to tie it back to the other movies. Uh, but yeah, the Bride in Black thing, like, I much prefer the Bride in Black being, like, Josh's haunting. Like, I wasn't really down with it being Elise's haunting. So it, it seems like a bit of a coincidence. It's like, there's more than one, like, messed up ghost that can haunt you. Like, why has it always got to be the Bride in Black? Um, but... Um, I did like to see Lynn Shea in this, though. Like, I really enjoyed seeing a lot more of her because she's just so good. Like, every time she's on screen, she's just, she nails it. Like, and you really believe that she's, A, able to communicate with ghosts and dead people and demons, and B, is terrified. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, she, uh, she, yeah, I liked it too. Um, I just would feel so terrible if I had to live that life. I'd be like, oh, man, can you guys just let me go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was cool as well to see her, like, kicking ass, like, with that yeah. demon at the end. Like, she is she is badass. Um, let's, unless you've got any more highlights, we go into lowlights. <laughs> um, I mean, like, the parts that were creepy were creepy. But mm-hmm. overall, it was just. Hmm. But we could definitely go on the negatives. Okay, the one at the top of the low light list that I've got is the change in the tone and the aesthetics of mm-hmm. this movie. Like, mm-hmm. especially with the ghosts and the demons. Like, and Lee Winnell said that this was a conscious decision that he made. He said he wanted to move away from James Wan's like gothic doll look. And he wanted oh. them to be like more grimy and dirty and like sickly looking. And I'm not really a fan of that. Like, I don't like gross. I like pretty creepy, you know? Like, yeah. And this is more like almost like body horror and more like monster effects rather than like spooky and scary. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, especially the bit that stands out to me is the the bit when Quinn's possessed and then you see the eye in her throat. Oh, actually, that was probably my favorite scene, to be honest. Really? That was that okay. was really creepy. I had not I, seen that before. I, mm, yeah, I just, it took me out of it a bit because I was like, okay, that's a CGI eye. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> so my thing is, is like, you remember how I told you about that dream I had that one time where there was like this giant eye in the sky and it was just like blinking and then they I did it on, it. they did it on um, Doom Patrol. Oh that, yeah, yeah. And that scared me so bad. I was like, "Are you joking me? This is my dream and my nightmare." But then when I saw that, I was like, "No, that's that would be my nightmare if I opened up my throat and saw an eyeball." I mean, yeah, it was a little cheese, but I thought that that was kind of cool. I wish I would have like gone into that a little bit more, but mm-hmm. that's all right. I'm talking about like recurring dreams, like I used to have a recurring nightmare. It was so scary. It used to happen all the time as well, where like there'd be like an alien invasion and I'd look up at the sky. I'd be like in a city or something and like I'd be surrounded by all these tall buildings and I'd look up in the sky and there'd just be this like giant flying saucer like covering the entire sky. And it was just so scary to me and I used to have it all the time. I've not had it in years though. You're probably going to have it now, tonight. Yeah, probably will. Um, Other negatives. Yeah, so the, the stuff with like the demon and the ghost look like, I think the having the demon like who can't breathe looking like a hospital patient as well was too similar to Parker Crane in the hospital in the first one. Because like I actually got mixed up and I thought that this movie was the Parker Crane backstory. I thought I didn't realize there were two different characters for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of annoying. It is a bit similar with the whole hospital thing. Like I know they weren't in hospital too long at all for Parker Crane. Uh, I think it was only like one scene, but still, for some reason, my brain connected the two. Um, and I just thought they were too similar. Um, also a negative in this, I've got cheap jump scares. There is yeah, a lot it does of... have cheap 
Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's the atmosphere and the build-up is lacking because we don't have James Wan. So in turn, we have a lot of cheap jump scares. Um, yeah, and in the like the cinematography definitely was different, and it kind of bugged me. Yeah. Because he doesn't do the whole, like, really unsettling and uncomfortable angles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I don't but, know, I just was... Again, we, we can't really, I you know, know, pull it apart that much because this is his first directing job. Yeah. And as I felt a like first his acting job, was I think better. he did well. Mm, I wasn't really a fan of the acting in this. Like, I thought... Yeah, I just thought the acting was a bit average other than Lynch. I mean, yeah, but I feel like Lee Winnell has gotten better. Like, every movie, he's gotten a little bit better. But no, the acting was not good, especially... uh, Well, I actually, I didn't think Quinn was a good actress. She was actually really annoying. She was only, like, 17 or something, so... But I guess we can't really just use age as an excuse, because, I mean, look at Jamie Lee Curtis. So, you know, in Halloween. Um... But yeah, I didn't like any of the characters either. Like Bar Elise, That's what I said. I thought they were all pretty one-dimensional and, and flat. Like, and I was not a fan of Daddy Ghostface in this. Um, I've forgotten his name. Um, you know, uh, spoilers for uh, yeah. Scream Six, but <laughs> oh, way uh, to go! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, if I hadn't said spoilers for Scream Six, that probably wouldn't have mattered. Um. But yeah, I hate his character so much in this. Like, he's a really shit dad and like a drama queen. That's what well. I was saying too, man. Because he's like, "You need to help me." Well, I'm like, dude, you're the adult. <laughs> yeah, like, like you. This you are the father. <laughs> yes, I understand that your wife died. That sucks. I'm so sorry. But you can't put all that pressure on your daughter. Like yeah, that's just so. Up. That's his time to step up as a dad and like you know be the protector as well like you know like really step up like but instead he's like oh my god i'm I'm so busy and i can't handle all this on my own and it's like help me quinn it's like you know she doesn't have to look after y- your son like that's not her job she's not like, right he's not the mum. like and he's like my life's so hard and it's like fucking pull your finger out man like be a dad like yeah like you you think that quinn's life is easy you think your son's life is easy they lost their mom and now they're losing their dad oh yeah i was i was so annoyed by that because i was just like he was a douchebag um he's also not the best actor in my opinion like i just i don't like him um it's so funny because he's in so many things he's a new girl yeah he was a new girl he was I don't know. He's in a lot of stuff, but yeah, yeah he's just like a shit dad. And I was just like, man, <laughs> it, it sucks. Cause there are people like that, that just expect their kids to raise the other kids. And it's just like, why have kids? Yeah. If you don't want to even put that effort into them, just yeah. don't. Uh, also, how wild is it that he's, um, his daughter's called Quinn in scream six as well. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Again, spoilers for scream six. <laughs> Sorry um but yeah there's also a deleted scene uh where quinn's friend tells her that her dad's hot and i was like is he like do you think he is um, like i mean he's good looking i don't think mm-hmm. i don't I'm not attracted to him i think um yeah i mean i don't he's attractive i guess he's not ugly it's just not my yeah. not my thing hot to some yeah um Another negative, um, oh, I've got the directing is average, but we've already discussed that. Like, I think, yeah, it is average, but it's also pretty damn good for a first time. Directing, I agree. So. Yeah. Uh, he also, you know, wrote, directed and acted in this movie. And that's not an easy thing to do. I can imagine like that's like a lot of fucking work. Yeah, I actually liked him a little bit more in this movie. Um, I don't know. As a character Maybe... respects. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I still didn't like the other guy though. Yeah. I just don't like that trope that they do with guys like that. It's like they feed into that and then, you know, the making him eat every scene. I'm just like <laughs> I hate like, that. I like, like I don't understand you're the, that. You're, trope. you're the overweight character. You've always got to have something in your hand. You've always got to be eating. I don't understand that. Like, have they ever actually been around somebody who's fat? Like, have you yeah. ever been around <laughs> 
we're not just sitting there and just eating all day long like as much as you want us to be like that and you want that to be the excuse for us being fat but that's just not it (laughs) it all started in that Friday the 13th film with that hitchhiker with the banana. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Trope. It's such an I annoying don't... trope. And he was so, so annoying. But I know they made him like that because for some reason. I, I do want to point out, though, that that was it like a blue frosted cupcake that he was eating looks so delicious. Like, oh, I've, I've got a thing about like blue food or like unnaturally colored food. And I just. I gravitate towards it. You know, just, like, I do not like ever. frosting. Oh, I love frosting. It's too sweet for me. It's just too much. It just ugh. I like some frosting, like butter. What is it? It's like really oh, the whipped cream mm-hmm. frosting. Yeah, that's what I like. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like gimmicky food, like any colored, like brightly. I will just like that's I'll have to eat it weird. because it's um it's unnatural and I like putting blue things in my body. <laughs> I I uh I have this weird thing where like for instance if we were to get like a cake but it was it looked just like a hamburger, you know, how they make cakes look oh, like yeah, other yeah. things. I couldn't eat it. <laughs> what? I absolutely I absolutely could not eat it. Oh no, I love stuff like that. Like I they do, do like it. little haribos that look like burgers. And I just, stuff like that. And if I it love it. It looks like a different food or whatever, and it's <laughs> not so that weird. food. I cannot do it. It grosses that's me weird. out. It freaks me out. So that's why it's always so weird when I'm watching um cooking like cake shows and stuff like that. And they're mm. like, oh, this cake looks like, you know, I don't know, pizza or whatever, and they eat it and it's cake, and I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I love gross. that. Um like the ones I can remember off the top of my head is like when I was younger, I used to love um, do you have space space raiders in America or sp- space invaders? They're like crisps um, mm-hmm. or chips, I guess you'd call them. Like um, puff corn chips. Is that the right term that you'd mm-hmm. use for them? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. Watsits. Or, do you have Watsits? No, mm-hmm. you call them cheese puffs, don't you? They're like mm-hmm. cheese puffs, but like pickled onion flavor. Have you got oh, Monster onion. Munch over there? No. No. I right, see. So you don't have pickled onion Monster Munch. Pickled onion? Yeah. That doesn't sound it's good. A, it is. It's really good. So I'll have to I'll have to bring you some space raiders over. Is um, that like funyuns? I don't know what they are. Oh. They're like a puffy <laughs> circle onion flavored something or other. Yeah, it sounds quite similar, but like pickled onion flavor, so they're like dead sharp. Uh but these like space raiders um they still sell them now but the version i used to have when i was a kid they had something in them that made your tongue bright blue so they were like regular like you know corn puffs or whatever but they made your tongue blue and i loved them i used to have anything like that <laughs> like something that would be unnatural um so one that i had like the other year was papa john's did a um special pizza base when i think when the venom movie came out and it was black, so it was black mm. pizza sauce. And I think it was like weird, like Marmite flavor or something fucked up like that. But it was like instead of like the regular pizza sauce that's obviously like red, it was black, and it just looked absolutely disgusting. The pizza, and I was like, I need it. That sounds <laughs> awful. I would so not eat that. Anything f- fucked up wise, like like that. If it looks fucked up, I want to eat it. So that's just my weird food kink <laughs> um but yeah going back to spectral sightings and those those dudes like obviously you know it's very big bang theory kind of tropey kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like oh these guys are the nerds like isn't it funny like one mm-hmm. of them's fat one of them's nerdy um but yeah it's definitely an overused trope i mean there is elements in it that i do enjoy because you know i can low-key identify with certain aspects of it i suppose <laughs> But um, sometimes it does get a bit, a bit over the top. Um, but it, I think it was a little bit. Was it a bit toned down in this or not? I don't know. I think I'm just liking them more the more I see them. It's kind I think of it like, was uh, toned down a little bit on this one. Yeah. It's the way I feel about the Saw movies. Like I started off really not enjoying them, but 
like the more you watch like a series of films like it almost becomes like a comforting thing even if you don't enjoy what you're watching you but know what you're the getting consistency like, yeah, yeah consistency. or the yeah i know what you mean yeah. yeah it's like when people listen to this podcast like we're almost like 50 episodes in two years down and people might not like listening to us but i'm sure it's comforting to have these voices in your ears every few weeks <laughs> <laughs> the same thing do you like my voice <laughs> does it make you happy um what other negatives or positives we got about this Let me see um, what else i have on my notes um i've got down here so the storytelling i thought was um pretty predictable um oh yeah. i know my first no, is man, this movie is so 2015. Oh, yeah. like this era <laughs> really is, movie was garbage, dude. Yeah. When she, when Quinn first walked on the screen and she's wearing that <laughs> like Peter Pan collared uh tank top, I was like triggered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird that it wasn't that long ago and it wasn't even for that long, but it was a moment, wasn't it? Like, what do they call it? Uh it's like the Tumblr era. Yeah. Like that the was it, yeah. twee, I guess is what they call it. Twee. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or also, it's like they also call it um, indie mm-hmm. sleeves. That's right. Indie sleeves. Yeah. yeah. Which I liked that style. You know, I was into it. Um, oh, I never was. I hate it. Not all the way. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't dress like her, but I mean, I wore like the. Um, like the owl necklace and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> beanies. Did you wear the um the the choker the thing? Is that what you call it? The the weird like the choker. I don't know. How Which one? Or what did they look like? The thing the thing that uh, Quinn's friend was wearing. It's like a black, stretchy choker thing. I wear that every single day now. <laughs> Oops. Have you not noticed? <laughs> I wear it all the time. You're still in that era. I've I've worn the choker like that for the past like I don't know six years almost every single day. <laughs> I liked her friend though. I thought her friend. I I like that actress. She was on um uh shoot Disney Disney Wa- Wizards of Waverly Place. That's what it was. All right. Okay. I <laughs> yeah. thought she was okay. I mean, she was pretty decent actually. Like, I mean, she didn't, she didn't have, have like a lot, but um, time, but she's actually yeah, she- a artist she's a musician or a musical artist i think i looked her up because i was like she looks so familiar and i thought she was from sky high because i thought she was kind of like that girl from sky high but then i looked it up and i was like oh no it's wizards of waverly place which is a great show she had one of the lamest lines though do you you have i mean there was so many lame lines Uh, there were so many but (laughs) i didn't know not her lines no i've got a list so that was one of them so obviously when her and quinn are like hanging out there's that terrible homophobic line where that dude just goes oh lesbian friends and it's like oh it's so cringe but then she responds with oh yeah where's the nearest jesus camp yeah that was a pretty lame comeback i thought it's it's pretty lame, but it's also like highly relatable. Like, <laughs> My, I, I have a couple different, or a couple. I have two uh, quotes. Mm-hmm. One is from the dad, and it says, "See this face? It's whoop ass face." Yeah, I, was, I got that one. <laughs> and See the other one face, is, it means I'm about to whoop ass. I was like, "Oh, that's going in. That's a lame line." The other one Terrible. was Elise at the end. Maybe we should go into business together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like like a sitcom or something. I know. It? it was like it reminded me of like the starting of like a spin-off uh TV show. You know, when they like try and yeah. set it up for a spin-off and most of the time it doesn't even happen, but Yeah. And then she was like, Oh, I maybe you should wear a shirt and a tie. And he was like, Never gonna happen. <laughs> and then he was like, This shirt's vintage. How dare you? And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that whole end scene was just cheese ball like there's a deleted, happy go lucky yeah, there's a deleted scene when um uh, when tucker was like complaining to quinn's little brother uh saying oh, i can't believe you've never heard of masters of the universe you know because he had a, a t-shirt mm-hmm. on um which i thought was quite funny because well yeah that that's... kid's like 
eight, nine years yeah. old. Of course, he's not going to hear that. That's me now, though. Like, any time I discover that anyone younger than me hasn't heard of something that I think is amazing from my childhood, I'm like, what? Yeah, How could you have never heard of that? But it's like, well, no, realistically, I never heard of, like, stuff that, like, my dad liked when he was a kid, I suppose. So yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I am now that grumpy, out of touch, lame dad. Um, Me too. I, got, I don't have kids. I got a lame line, another one that the dad says, and that's, don't blog it, just eat it. And then it was like, oh, that would be a great T-shirt. And I was like, damn, that's a lame line. But that's also that something I'd a say. lame <laughs> line, but yeah. <laughs> like, put it on the T-shirt. <laughs> that, that scene as well is definitely 2015 when you know, taking pictures of your breakfast on Instagram was, like, becoming a thing. And it was like, oh, my God, how weird is this? Like, look, look what people and are now doing. I just take uh, random pictures of my breakfast all the time now. Like, yeah, look at this. But it's, it's no big deal. It's not. <laughs> you have a delicious croissant, and you can post it. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm pretty sure 90% of people don't even look at any of my stuff, which is fine. I just do it for myself. But still, it's funny. It's, <laughs> it's a good harvest of uh, of one or two likes on the story of things that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> Get that little bit of dopamine hit. You're like, yes. Yeah, and then you realise it's one of the porn bots that's liked your story instead. And you're like, oh, it's <laughs> not a real person. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you follow it. Oh no, it's just a porn bot. <laughs> that's a thing now, isn't it? Like, where are these porn bots coming from? We'll look back and we'll be like, oh, remember 2023? Like, that was that was a year of porn bots, wasn't it? Where'd they all go? Oh, no, they're all like... Where'd they come from? Where'd they go? Where um, they come from? Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Cotton it's actually Eye funny Joe. that you say that, because I actually quoted that song while watching that movie last night. I don't remember what scene no it was. But we were do, like... Do, 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 do. Yeah, she, I think Kevin said, oh... I think he said something like, where did she go? And then I was, and then I just started thinking, you know, where did she come from? Where did she go? Where did she come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Um, another line of dialogue that um, isn't lamest line, but um, Lynn Shay revealed in the Blu-ray extras that I watched that she actually changed a line of Lee Winnell's dialogue. She asks Tucker, is this your first time seeing a ghost? And he says, yes. So she was meant to reply with, it gets easier. But Lynn Shay said, that it should be, it doesn't get any easier, which is, I think, a much very good better. observation. Yeah. Much better line. Because, um, like, in the other movies, you can obviously tell that it's not easy on her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Seem, like, the future, yeah, so. Do, should we talk about, like, her husband then? Because that was a weird... Like, that was weird. Thing. And I didn't really understand it. Did he kill himself? Apparently so. That's the only thing that got mentioned. It was like he took his own life. Um, and it's like, that's really fucking sad. Because, like, she's it such is. a nice character. Like, I mean, I know people obviously, you know, suffer with depression. And even if they've got the nicest partner in the world, they would still do that regardless, you know. But I'm just like, man, like, you had Lynn Shea. She's lovely. Like, why would you fucking do that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that hurt my heart. Yeah, it was really with sad. With the little friggin little uh and then um, was it brown vest yeah it's laid out on the bed um at, at this point though i do want to mention that abby had a complete u-turn so as i mentioned at the start of the episode so she didn't like it the first time and this round she absolutely loved it um so she kept jumping out of her skin like and crying out in terror all the way through the scares and then towards the end, I just heard her sniffing and I looked over and she was crying her eyes out. And I was like, what is wrong? And she just goes, mum stuff. Like she always gets like emotional with like mum stuff in movies, you know, and it was like mum mm. like coming back and stuff like that. And she was like crying about that. And she was like, and then she was crying about the dog as well. And then Elisa's dead husband stuff, feeling very sensitive and stuff like that. So oh, she absolutely... Cute. It really got to her. Um, so it's funny, isn't it? I guess, like, I, other than I viewing just... a movie in a, in a um, an environment which, which is appropriate, it also matters what emotional state you're in when you're viewing a movie, I guess. So Yeah, I guess so, because I was, like, at the end, I was just ready, ready for it to be over. I was like, okay. 
And then it yeah, has well, the red demon at the end, and I was like, that doesn't make oh, any sense either. Either exactly that it that was a real cheap ending. Like it was just, and it, it didn't even look good. I mean, I watched the behind the scenes, and they were like, oh, we like redid the prosthetics for the face and made it look scarier, and it's like, well, actually, it looked worse. Like it looked better in the first movie, <laughs> and yeah, I, it just didn't make any sense. It was like it was just there for you know fan service maybe or whatever you want to call it and just a cheap mm-hmm. chair jumper at the end didn't like it um but i mean yeah overall thoughts other than a few creepy scenes it's not that good Mm-mm, um i, I don't recommend it no. maybe just for hardcore fans of the franchise i mean it's an okay spin-off but not a sequel like not even a prequel like it's an average horror movie like it's not awful mm-hmm. but it's not good and I'll probably never watch it again. I always skip it when I'm doing my Insidious rewatch. Yeah, I probably won't watch it again either. You don't really need to watch it. So, yeah, it goes without saying that my favourite is still the first Insidious uh, in all the James Wan movies we've watched. This gets, mm-hmm. like, a, a second to last next to Saw, in my opinion. No, that's way last for me. Dead last. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, unless we've got anything more to mention, we'll keep it short and sweet with this. Shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters, Field Mouse, Nicole, Ryan, Vincent, Wade, Ash, Kyle, Francesco, Gina, and Oliver. Thank you so much. You are all awesome, and we love you and appreciate it so much. Um, yes, we love s- you so much. You can support the pod as well over at patreon.com slash horrorhomeschool. You only have to give us a dollar a month, and you get all of our bonus content, all of our spin-off pods and interviews with awesome people. Um we are doing the Twilight Zone episode by episode coverage, starting right from the very beginning. So come and join us in that journey. Um, for links to everything, including all of the platforms where you can listen to the show, our merch, socials, and the Patreon. So next time, we're going to be tackling the next movie in the Insidious franchise, The Last Key. Um, this one is another prequel. Um, It goes back even further, no pun intended, uh, and we get to see Elise as a little kid, which is fun. It's actually decent. It's much better than this one. Oh, okay, okay, good. Um, Yeah, because I told Kevin, I was like, I will do my best to try and watch this one at work today, because I know he's pretty much over it. (laughs) Well, I I would recommend watching it on a big screen in the dark, because it's actually much better than Chapter 3. Oh. But yeah, come back and join us for that. And um, we will see you then. So personal social media stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Wakefield. And me underscore Babraham Lincoln underscore. We'll be back soon with another episode. And remember, if you call out one of the dead, all of them can hear you. <laughs>